This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome into The Scoop, the number one, the premier UNC football recruiting podcast in the world, part of the Inside Carolina Podcast Network. As always, we are sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com, the best and most local place to get all your UNC apparel and gear. I'm your host, Ross Martin. As always, I'm joined by Don, Donnie Scoops Callahan. What's going on, Don? Uh, not too much. I am excited that the hockey season begins on when? Tomorrow. We're recording on Tuesday, right? Yeah, today's Tuesday. It's tomorrow. Are you going to be watching? Flyers play at 5.30 on national television. Are you going to watch, Ross? I will not be watching any hockey. I may watch playoffs if the Hurricanes or Predators get there. Low-key uh, Predators fan. Oh, man, you need to be a low-key Flyers fan. Did you watch the National Championship game last night? I did. Let's talk I about did. it. Yeah, let's. Um, you and I spoke real quickly beforehand, and I was completely wrong with my um, my prediction. Or just, yeah. I guess, my evaluation of what could potentially happen. Yeah, I put a little money on uh, Ohio State. Um, Me too. Bama blowout. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just... There's so much parody in college football. There's there's not any parody in college football now. Yeah. I mean, it's Bama, it's Clemson, it's Ohio State. Mm-hmm. You saw that Clemson got whooped by Ohio State, and then Bama just went and, and whooped the Buckeyes. So it's yeah. There's only three dominant teams, and I think behind them is is Notre Dame, is Oklahoma, is well. How about Notre Dame though? Florida, I mean, like there's not much got, parody. Everybody got on Notre Dame, and obviously. Notre Dame's not in that first tier, but everybody got on Notre Dame, but but their defense seemed to, quote-unquote, handle um, Alabama as much as anyone really did. Their their offense, that is, you know? Um, I mean, because it, it seemed like Ohio Notre State... Notre Dame's offense against Bama? Notre Dame's defense seemed gotcha. to... I mean, I wouldn't say handle, but they did, a, they did probably one of the better jobs against Alabama's offense than anyone. I mean... Ohio State has just as many NFL guys on their defense, and it seemed like Alabama just scored at will during that game. Yeah, I mean, the talent, the the skill talent. I've been listening to some stuff recently. I mean, the skill talent that Alabama has is next level, and and I think that Steve Sarkeesian he called a great game. Yeah. Um, you know, you kind of think he is is an excellent play caller, maybe better suited for the NFL than maybe a head coaching job at a place like Texas, where it's it's not as much play calling as it is. CEO and, and management and, and politics, yeah. but we'll see how he does at Texas, which is always intriguing to see uh, with the coaching change there, of course, taking over, I guess now three coaches removed from Mac Brown. Um, do you think college football is reaching a point now where it's going to lose some fans because of the dominance of, of one or two teams? Yeah, I think it's absolutely possible because it's not just the, the fact that it's just two or three teams. It's the fact that, 
it's it's so regionalized to the southeast. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you have Ohio State in the Midwest, but the West Coast just has no one. You know, Oregon a little bit, but yeah. every time they show any sort of promise, they they fall flat in their face. Same thing with USC, and I think that that really hurts the game. And and I think the only solution is to expand the playoffs so that you're including mm-hmm. more teams from throughout the nation. Yeah, I think, you know, Notre Dame being good is good for college football, Ohio yeah. State being good, Texas, USC, at least that way you have, you know, a, a Big 12 representative, a Pac-12, is it Pac-10, Pac-12, whatever, Pac, uh, USC, and then Ohio State, Notre Dame, and then, you know, you have kind of a representative from each conference that can at least compete. Anyways, guys, we got a great podcast planned today. Uh, it's been in the works two or three weeks now. We're bringing on Coach Glover, Dion Glover, Tony Grimes' dad. Uh, to, to just recap the 2021 se- 2020 season, to talk about UNC's two commitments for the 2022 class, and overall just kind of talk about the state of, of UNC football and what he's got going on. We had him on before, so he's now a reoccurring guest and obviously one of our, our favorite uh, guests to have on. He's an electric interview for Stay Tuned for that. We're also, well, also going to get – before I didn't mean to interrupt, yep. interrupt you, but um, he is an assistant coach at Prin- Princess Anne High School which is where um, Tayshawn Chapman um, plays and who is one of North Carolina's uh, two 2022 commitments. And also uh, in that general area, um, Glover has kind of been a part of a group that helped train uh, Tayon Holloway, who is the other 2022 commit. This was another reason why those two guys committed within the last, you know, last two months. Great. Yeah. So it's going to be an awesome interview with, with coach Glover. Uh, he was great last time we had on the show. After that, we're going to go into the last top five, which was the the 2021 signees, UNC signees that you're most excited about. That's going to evolve into a discussion um, based on Don's weekly scoop about positions in the 2021 class, expectations, that kind of stuff. And, of course, who y'all are looking forward most to kind of playing in Carolina Blue, which relates to, to kind of Don's weekly scoop. And the 20, sorry, the top five for next week or the next time we record is going to be the 2022 UNC targets that you most want to see commit to UNC. Wish list. Wish list. 2022 most wanted. Give us your top five. This is a chance for you to go through um, the offer list, go through the target list on Inside Carolina and get familiar with some of the 2022 targets if you're not familiar if you listen to this podcast, you probably are, at least know a decent amount of those guys and give us your 2022 most wanted. We did that last year, probably around this time. So it's going to be something similar where we kind of break down uh, the 2022. And that will, of course, lead to a discussion that kind of sets us up for the 2022 class uh, in the next podcast. Don, all good? Any, any ads, any suggestions? Yeah, the only other thing, and, and I, I think you kind of sort of hit it on hit on it, but uh, just to make sure. So we're going to go the weekly scoop this week broke down the early enrollees because they're arriving on campus this weekend. And I think it would be great to have Ross's input on their opportunities. I broke that down in the weekly scoop, but um, you know, Ross, he's the expert on this. So I think combining (laughs) our powers on this sort of topic and kind of going position by position uh, because each position this, and then this is something that I can't think of has ever happened for North Carolina. East position is getting an early enrollee with the exception of tight end, which I think is really interesting. That's the power of this podcast. You know, I'm not just a host. We know Don's the expert. He's recruiting expert, but I am kind of an expert on UNC football and their roster. 
I'm not an X and O's guy. I'm not, you know, the all 22, like Jason Staples, Don's guy. But I do know UNC's roster pretty well. I do have some sources, so I am familiar. And, and having covered recruiting and, of course, hosting this podcast, I'm familiar with um, depth charts and things like that. So I may be limited in some areas, in a lot of areas. You're also an expert on men's moisturizers. That's a little-known fact. What are you talking about? Like out of nowhere, just random stuff. Okay, let's get into it, and we're going to bring on Glover very shortly. One thing I wanted to touch on, and this is kind of off-topic, was we had Barton Simmons on our podcast um, You know, right before signing day, so back in December. He had took a job now with Vanderbilt. I mean, it's, it's public knowledge. I'm not sure if it's been announced by Vanderbilt, but – He's essentially going to uh, Barton Simmons, a former director of scouting for 24-7 Sports, longtime rivals and 24-7 Sports employee, took a job with Vanderbilt under the, the new hood coach there to be their general manager, their, um, I guess, director of player personnel, similar to what Billy High does for UNC. And uh, I just thought it was an interesting move. You know, it's a journalist. He's a, essentially a journalist, does a podcast, writes, ranks recruits, very involved in the whole, uh, you know, internet recruiting business and now is working for a team. Uh, I'm sure you saw that, Don, and I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Because I think it's, I mean, it's something like, it's something you could do. I mean, you could work for a, a team as well. And I think it was just uh, the, the way our business works with, with actually the football team, I think it's interesting to talk about. Yeah, so we actually have seen this happen in other sports, you know, baseball, yep. for example, with like the sabermetrics guys and um, basketball, we had um, uh, Evan Daniel leave for um, not for a team, but didn't he leave for some sort of um, agency, like, a, like an agency? Yeah. Became an and agent sort of thing. There's been two sports illustrated NBA writers go to work for NBA teams to do kind of um, media not even media relations but kind of player relations media relations mm -hmm. communications and like doing a, a type of journalism that benefits a team in different ways too so yeah it's interesting yeah so this is the first time that i could think of that's kind of happened in our gen you know our specific field so it's kind of um interesting well, to, to see barto yeah your boy barto ryan was barto Barto, though, was uh, that was more of a situation where uh, he was booted out of the industry and uh, he counted on some of his friends to kind of save him sort of thing. Well, he's worked for more, multiple schools now. I think he's at Syracuse yes. right now. Ryan yeah. Barto, formerly of 24-7 Sports and Rivals, uh, doing some recruiting work for Syracuse and before that, I believe, Oregon. And Go he ahead. actually, uh, right before he got the job at Oregon, I believe, um, or maybe it was after the Oregon, but anyway, he, he was actually working for exo scouting in the, on the West coast. So, but yeah, um, yeah, the whole Barton move. I mean, I feel like, you know, if anyone is, is prepared for such, such a move, Barton is, is the one, um, you know, I, I, feel, I know that the UNC fans feel a certain way about him because of the whole Des Evans thing, which was BS <laughs> as I've made clear multiple times but to be completely honest um I, I really enjoyed working with barton uh anytime i needed him he was always available a lot of guys in our industry once they get to that level get very um you know kind of turn into a jerk and barton never got that route i mean he was definitely like an everyday guy i think you kind of saw that a little bit on the podcast when we had him on as a guest the other thing too is is that um anytime i talk to him about um evaluations and stuff like that. I felt like I always learned something from him and he was very forward thinking in a lot of things. 
he was part of the group that first kind of started to really look into other sports as a means to evaluate football recruits. And I think that was that that's really key. Um, and then and then also he just kind of approached things like he didn't have all the answers, even on our, our podcast interview with him. There was a point where he asked us what we thought because he understood that, yeah, he has a better, uh, you know, you know, nationwide view on things. Mm. But when it comes to North Carolina guys, you and I know better than than even you know, him or, or Wilt Fong because we see these guys. We talk to these 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 recruits and and their their trainers and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I consider Barton a friend. I worked with him in the office for two or three years and, and played basketball with him and, um, you know, not a close friend. But, yeah, when people bash him, it's, like, stupid. Like, you don't know the guy, so there's no reason. And the fact that he, I guess, what, him in 24-7 sports demoted Evans, who's now in school. On purpose. It was know, some rank, sort of conspiracy. So matter. Well, that's all in the past. But, yeah, yeah I mean, it's interesting. Like, I mean, Vanderbilt's a hard job. So you got a guy who's from yeah. Nashville – he played football in high school with is it Clark Lee? Yeah, Clark yeah, Lee, the, the former the Notre Dame. Well, now, yeah, Notre Dame a defense corner. Yeah, yeah, they they played high school ball together. Uh, Barton was a four year starter at safety at Yale, so he knows. I mean, he played the game in a way that you know I didn't. Don didn't. I think Don, did you play a little high school football? I did play a little high school football. <laughs> yeah, but um, I think Barton played a little bit higher level, so he obviously is maybe more prepared for that type of job than, than someone else obviously that hasn't played the game but uh sharp guy and uh you know there's as media evolves there's other jobs that you can use the skills you develop in communications and media that can be still in sports that can work in a different way and, and you know obviously as a communicator um as an evaluator as a, even as a writer in some ways i'm sure all those skills will be used in his new role um, and it seems pretty broad, so he'll have complete control, I imagine, of helping manage um, Vanderbilt's uh, recruiting ser- recruiting database and all that stuff, but also managing the team and, and figuring out what prospects to go for and how to recruit and where to recruit. And then, you know, he's been in the business now for probably 15 years in terms of knowing the national landscape. So uh, this, the hire made sense given the geography, given his ties to Lee and giving his background. And at some point you reach the peak of your business. I mean, that's what Evan Daniels did. I mean, Evan Daniels broke news left and right. You know, it, it became a point where he was the industry standard for basketball recruiting. Um, there's only so far you can go up in the business. Um, so, so all, you always want more of a challenge and you want to be pushed more and um, more opportunities and, and more growth. And that's, I, I would imagine that's what um, was went into Barton's decision and you know he's a huge hit to the uh cover three podcast now yeah I mean, yeah he was a big no. part of it big part of why I listened uh I think he added a, a huge element given the fact mm-hmm. he played the game and his recruiting prowess and his love for college football and when you take you know one person out of a three or four person podcast it affects it so I'm interested to see if they bring someone else on to the cover three because it's, it's one of the best college football national podcasts uh, I don't know if you've listened to it since uh Barton's been I have on. it's been a little weird um but yeah it is equivalent to if Ross left to become a hair model or something, you know, and then I had to host this by myself. I mean, it would be a complete. Yeah. Mess. And, and we love Chip Patterson, a, a friend of mine as well, but I don't know the other guys, but uh, Chip's good. I mean, that, that was a strong podcast. We'll see what happens uh, without Barton. All right, Don, we're going to bring on Glover here in a second. Is there anything else we need to touch on before Glover? No, uh, just okay. uh, check out the weekly scoop stuff that we posted. There's some good um, extra scoop in there. 
um, and we'll cover the other stuff later on this podcast. Yeah, and after Glover, we're going to talk about the 2021 early enrollees, UNC's depth chart, positions, all that good stuff. Before we bring on the dynamic Coach Glover, I want to talk to you about Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com, the one-stop shop for all your UNC football needs, apparel, gear, shirts, T-shirts, uh, jerseys, sweatshirts, hats. They have everything and not just clothes. They have things for the tailgate, for the home, for the office. I mean, anything you can think of that UNC would be on, Johnny T-Shirt has it. Head to johnnytshirt.com or to the Franklin Street store right in downtown Chapel Hill and shop for all your Carolina gear. Inside, Carolina subscribers get 10% off with the discount code found for uh, found on the message boards for Inside Carolina subscribers. So check that out. Subscribe to Inside Carolina. Um, join Inside Carolina and use that discount code to get all your discounts from Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. Again, on Franklin Street. And again, use that promo code. I want to thank Giant T-Shirt for their support. Support us by supporting them. And it all works together. Win, win, win. And remember, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Give us a five-star rating to Inside Carolina Podcast. Give us a review, good or bad, critical or applauding. And uh, that really helps us, especially the five-star rankings. That helps the podcast grow, and that just helps us with more opportunities. We'll be right back with Coach Glover. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. All right, welcome back to the Scoop Podcast. I'm your host, Ross Martin, joined by Don, Donnie Scoops Calham. We have a very special guest for the second time. Um, we are bringing on Coach Glover, Dion Glover, to the Scoop Podcast. What's going on, Coach? What's going on, Ross? How you doing? Happy New Year's to you. Thank you, thank you. Don, happy New Year's to you as well. You too, Coach. Show, show, them, show them your jacket like you showed us. Your dad. That, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me give it to y'all raw. Y'all see that, right? Oh, oh. For those <laughs> for those only listening and not on YouTube, Coach has a Tar Heel Dad jacket with Grimes and Glover on the back and the number twenty. Of course, his son Tony Grimes is, is a rising sophomore, number twenty for the Tar Heels. Yeah, that was a gift from Tony. That was oh. a uh, that was a birthday gift for me this year. Okay, when's your birthday? August twenty fourth. Okay, okay. Oh, so he got so that was after, right after he committed then. That was right after he committed. Okay. <laughs> All right, okay. Coach, we're going to do a little talk about um, the, the two commits that UNC already has for the 2022 class, and then we're getting okay. to kind of the UNC season and, and Tony's experience in year one and just go from there. How's that sound? Okay. Let's go. All right. D Don? Yeah, so the first guy you're most familiar with is uh, a Tyshawn Chapman. You coach him. I mean, everyone looks at you as, you know, Tony Grimes' dad, but uh, you're also Princess Anne High School's assistant football coach. And uh, so you, you've seen Chapman grow, and, and you're also really involved in that area and have seen Chapman a lot of different, um, you know, events, camps, seven-on-sevens, that sort of thing. What does, what does Chapman bring to the table for North Carolina as a commit? Wow, um, Tyshawn is phenomenal. Um, I've been calling him Percy Harvin 2.0 since he was in middle school. Mm -hmm. That's how electric he is. The things that he do, you can't teach it. You know what I'm saying? You can teach the game, but you can't teach the ability. 
Um, he, 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 he brings a phenomenal, just the ability, his speed, his elusiveness, his explosion. Um, he's great. He's dynamic. He's a dynamic playmaker. You know what I'm saying? At the slot, he's going to be a great replacement for, um, for Josh. You know what I'm saying? Downs in the slot. I think he's going to do, do some fantastic things at UNC. Yeah, of course, this is Chapman. He is 5'10", 160. He's ranked 163 in the nation, number 20 wide receiver, number seven in Virginia. He was a first commit for UNC in the 22 class, committing on uh, right before Christmas on December 19th. Um, yeah, and you mentioned Josh Downs and, and Tyshawn Chapman and how they can kind of work together or, or, or he replaces uh, Downs. But Downs will, be, Downs will be sophomore next year. Could you see them playing together? Because those are two dynamic players that in this offense, I mean, there's enough there's enough room at the wide receiver position to have multiple guys with similar roles to play. Absolutely. I think that um, the way Phil did it with, uh, with bringing uh, Josh along, along with Daz, you know what I'm saying, bring him, mm-hmm. him in the game, working them both, uh, you know, one after the other, sometimes simultaneously. I think that they will complement each other great. He's a mismatch for anybody on the field. I guarantee you. I, I'm gonna tell you how special this kid is. When um when when he started, you know, we started recruiting. Every every college coach that told me they wanted to offer him Oregon, Oklahoma, everybody said he can commit right now. You know, when a coach tells you you can commit right now, that lets you know how special a kid is. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's probably based on just tape, right? Because I mean, not many games were observed by coaches because of COVID, I imagine, right? Right. That was just based on film. Yeah. That's big. Virginia didn't have their season either. So Virginia season, you guys would start up in in March, right? Yeah. 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 We, they, they, they killed us. They killed, they killed the season in March. (laughs) Yeah. It was a disappointment. (laughs) One of the things I wanted to ask you about, and you and I have talked this before, but the, it was important for Chapman to be the first to commit to this class. Uh, why is that? I mean, you, you've someone who talked to him a bunch. Why did he want to be the first? Because he, he, wanted to, he, he wanted to continue a trend. He wanted to set the standard for the 22 class. You know what I'm saying? He's a guy that's highly respected, you know what I'm saying, um, with recruits across the country. Um, I, I think he wanted to set the set this set the standard, set the trend. He, he wanted to make a statement. He wanted to be the first. He loves Carolina. You know what I'm saying? I think him seeing what Carolina did with Tony is, 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 is like icing on the cake for him. You know what I'm saying? So he, he, he wanted to hurry up, commit, and then start working on other recruits. And, and one last thing on, on Chapman here. What kind of person is he? What kind of personality is he going to be recruiting a lot for UNC? Is he more of a quiet guy? What can you tell us about his, him as a person? He's quiet until you get to know him. You know what I'm saying? Um, he, he, he's a hard worker. He, 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 he comes from a great family background. You know what I'm saying? He's a great kid, you know. Um, but he's going to give you everything he got. He's going to give you everything he has. You know, he's going to be the playmaker. I guarantee it. On that offense, he's going to be a playmaker. Yeah, the the other guy is he's not at your school. He's at a rival school, Green Run High School. But you know uh, Tyon Holloway really well. Um, yeah. And I, I just love when I've seen seven on sevens with him on one side and Tony Grimes on the other. 
And so, uh, so tell me about, about Holloway. I mean, what, what does he kind of bring to the table? Tayon is, Tayon is special. Tayon Holloway is special. He's a great cover corner. Um, I explained to somebody last week about athleticism and skill set. You know, they didn't, they didn't understand the difference. They thought athleticism and skill set was the same. And I said, no, it's not the same. A kid can be athletic and not have the skill set. Tayon has the athleticism and the skill set. You know what I'm saying? He reminds me of Tony. They've been playing seven on seven together since, you know, forever, since they were in high school together. They played on the same seven on 17, the thoroughbreds. Tayon has an incredible skill set, something that a lot of college players lack. So for him coming in, he's going to have an edge. He's going to have a chance to get on that field and compete. You know what I'm saying? They're going to bring him along. They're going to put the weight on him. They gonna, but but skill set-wise, when Dre get his hands on him, oh, man, it's, it's going to be the same pro- progression with Tony, the same exact progression. You'll see a great corner. He's, he's, he's going he's gonna to hold his own. Now, he's going to get a spot. <laughs> I want to get their names right. It's Tayon. Tayon Holloway and Tyshawn Chapman. Tyshawn. Okay, great. Do they know each other? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Ooh. Everybody, everybody in the 757 knows each other. Look, yeah, look, 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 Ross, they were actually trying to commit together. Okay. It was, it was, it was, yeah, it, they were they were trying to put a plan together and say, look, we're gonna commit together. It was funny, you know, and um Tyson didn't want to wait. We call him Little Doc. I call him Percy Alvin 2.0. But he didn't want to wait, you know. Lit- they all said, oh, we're going to do it on Christmas. And then Little Doc was like, no, I'm, I'm, I want to commit now. We even had to push it back a week because he wanted mm-hmm. to do it. What, what week was it he wanted to do it, Don? The, the day of the – I think it was the day of the UNC-Miami game. Yeah. I think. And, I, and I remember you and I talking. I was like, you know – I don't want to jump in here, but if I was advising this situation, committing <laughs> while North Carolina is playing Miami is probably not a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? You see that? He, we we talked. He mm. pushed it back. He's excited about the program. I'm going to tell you, it's always good to get kids that want to be at your program. Let's that go. want to be there. You know what I'm saying? That, that, matched, that matched the criteria for the program character-wise and ability-wise. It's always get kids that want to be there that's not – you know, flip floppy. They ain't sure. They back and forth about where they want to go. Nine times out of ten, a guy like that gonna end up in a transfer portal. You know yep. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You said his nickname was Little Dot. Yeah, Little, Little Doc. Dot. Doc. His dad, his dad has a nickname. Uh, we call him Doc. So okay, all through his, you know, in elementary school, all through. Uh, AYF football, everybody called him Little Doc. I'm a big nickname guy. You know, I started the nickname for, for Tony. What is it? Grime Dog. The Grime Dog. <laughs> I, start, I started that. Whenever he makes a big play, I, I tweet out Grime Dog. Grime Dog. <laughs> and I started I like that during his recruitment. So I like that. I like I mean, that, Rock. If you is want, it, I mean, if you want to have these on, uh, maybe we get that kind of uh, get – get that governmentally sealed you know what legally we can get uh what's it called trademark uh, trademarked let's get it you want to go have he's on that and then he, and he goes to the nfl and then you know i could make some money off that that'd be awesome too hey long long, long, long as you share the wealth man let's get it I mean, <laughs> as long as you share the wealth um, <laughs> all right anything else on holloway don i mean so yeah Carter- i just you know um both this podcast the last one uh coaches touched on just the, the football community in the 757, and I feel like it's so unique. So I would love for you to kind of 
you know, detail that a little bit more on just what it's like, you know, you know, down, you know, competing. Cause, cause it's strange because everyone's close. Everyone likes each other, but then everyone kind of like, is a lot of competition too. Yeah. You know, what, what's it like in the seven, five, seven? Well, that, that's the culture that we created years ago. We used to do, uh, we used to have a seven, five, seven cast sports Academy. And what we did was, and of course it was a challenge because we had to fight through all the other high school coaches. So we would bring all the players, all the, all the skilled players together, the linemen together one day out of every week on Sunday and we would work them out. You know what I'm saying? And we, and we would just do one-on-ones all Sunday and everybody would compete, 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 just one making the other one better. We would put the mid range guys with the top guys and we would flip flop them that way. When we went out to regional camps, we would crush the camps. You know what I'm saying? Because our mid-range guys was always used to competing against the best guys. We would take the best guys and put them with mid-range lower guys and, and get them better. That's how, that's how you get better. Iron sharpens iron. You know, and everybody are friends, but when the pads come on and the season come on, they talk, they trash. You know what I'm saying? They play. But it's evident that it works because when we go to regional camps, we always kill the camp. Mm-hmm. Crush the camps. Well, there's also a lot of trash talking on Twitter, too, I've noticed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nothing personal. It's just that, that spirit of competition. You know what I'm saying? You got to love to compete. You, if you want to survive in this sport, you got to be a competitor. This is a Warriors game. This is about competition. And if you don't have – everybody want the flash, but they don't have the fire. You got to have the fire to compete. And that's one thing that we have here in the 757 and the two up, two down in the state of Virginia. We got the flash and the fire. These guys love to compete. They'll compete against anybody in the country. What does two up, two down mean? That means two up, two down. Is that VA? Yeah. Okay. That's right. I saw, I thought that's what it was. I saw uh, Tony do that when he had, was it after the interception or at some point in big play to two up, two down. He's All proud right. about where he comes from. That's right. Hey, so am I, Greensboro. Uh, I know that's right. <laughs> all right, what's, I got one what, last hey, what's question. Your, hey, what's the Greensboro hand signs? It's three three six. Hey, three, we three. gotta get we gotta get that twenty twenty two defensive tackle. You sure? Travis Shaw. Travis, Travis Shaw. Shaw. Massive yeah, butt. He has a massive butt. Yes, I love him. He's a dog. <laughs> Ross just likes his butt. <laughs> he's a dog, dude. He's a freak, man. He plays on he the. Is, I mean, he went to my high. He goes to my high school. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's a, he's an athlete. He plays basketball. He's, you know, six, five, six, six. Gotta get him. Yeah. He's yeah. A dog. Yeah. I, I'm willing to do a lot of things to get him. Um, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Last, uh, lastly, seven, five, seven. What's the food like up in that area of Virginia? I've never been. Is there oh, anything man. that's special to just go to coach Glover's house? Is there anything special to the food coach there? Glover is always cooking up something. Yeah. Nice. When are you going to have us over coach Glover? Hey, look, anytime y'all in the 75, I got y'all. Just come to, come to the house, come to the palace, and, and I'll put something together for y'all. Is there I'll any, it all. Is there you any food that's – the other day, Ross? What'd you make? I made – me and my wife made lobster, crab mm. legs. We had surf and turf and some, some, some steaks. Sounds good to me. It was a killer. Didn't you have lobster for Christmas, Don? I did. I had lobster and steak. I need to get y'all's jobs. Yeah, <laughs> I put together some some curry basil rice with some shrimp and salmon. Mm. Sauce, man. I'll mm. hook you up. I'll put together some jerk chicken. What you want? I can do it. <laughs> I can do anything. I is got there, lots of mac and cheese for you. Ooh, is there any food that's like regionally specific to 757? 
Like no, they kind of do it all. Seafood okay. is pretty good, but they kind of yeah. do it all. We got some pretty good seafood restaurants. We got Rockefellers. We got Stein Hilbers. So um, seafood and country food, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a mix between everything. You know? Cool. All right. So now let's get into to Tony Grimes, your son, and we'll get into the 2020 season. Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, Grimes is kind of like you predicted and like we talked about, you know, slowly started playing more and more, you know, 15 snaps, 20 snaps. And all of a sudden he came in. I think was it the Wake Forest game? He came in the second half, took over the starting job, and after that, I don't think he left the field much. Um, so for the most of the second half of the 2020 season, he started alongside Kyle Michael. Of course, Storm Duck was injured, which 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 did leave a little opportunity there. Um, in general, what did you think about how about uh, Tony's you know freshman year from your perspective? And we'll just go from there. Um, I thought it was phenomenal. I thought he had a phenomenal season. Um, I, I actually thought it was more accelerated than I, I anticipated. I knew that we were going to work, you know, work our way in. You know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't expect him to play as much as he did, but I knew that they were going to work work him in, bring him along, work him in. Um, you know, because when to make the transition into college sports, it's extremely hard, especially football. You have to adjust to the speed of the game. You've got to learn the scheme. They got to break away old habits from you when you were in high school. And granted, you know, Tony came in a whole year early. You know what I'm saying? So the way he progressed is mind-blowing. You know what I'm saying? Him coming in so late with no with no spring ball, with no season to prep. And then um, Jay Bateman and Dre and Mac just working him into the system was awesome. You know, we kind of talked. We knew he would kind of pick up towards the end of the season but I didn't know he was going to go that strong. He really had some great – I mean, he really played, Ross. I mean, really. You know the game game? I mean, he played. He played. Yeah. You're going yeah. up with seniors, grown men, guys that's on their way to the league, and you're, 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 you're a senior out there in high school, and you're strapping guys that was putting up points on a lot of other season guys in, in, in the sport. Yeah, I mean, you look – I mean, it's not like – I don't remember any time that he really gave up any sort of big play. He had that one P.I., I remember – yeah, the interception. Suspect. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Are you are you biased though? Are you biased at all? No, I'm not biased, <laughs> but I'm I'm looking at it and I'm saying they called the pass interference call and the guy was falling down. Yeah, yeah, I know. Come on, that was suspect. And then he, he had the big interception against uh, the incredible interception against Miami, and then he had the uh, sack against Texas A&M. I mean, those I are the love plays. the stack. I love yeah, the sack. that sack off the corner blitz when he chased down uh, Texas A&M's quarterback. Those are the two plays that stand out to me. Where did you see him maybe take the biggest growth from August to December? Uh, in what ways in terms of maybe stuff that we haven't seen or that he talked to you about where he grew the most in those, uh, you know, five or six months? Working on skill set. Okay. You know, Tony, Tony is Tony is so laser focused. You know what I'm saying? He knows what he knows what it takes. He, he, he increased his film time, which is he's all he's always in the film room. He, um you know, you can ask any coach on the staff. He's the first in the building, last to leave. You know what I'm saying? This is consistent. This is not once or twice. This mm-hmm. is a consistent walk. You know what I'm saying? So he saw where he needed to get better at the um at the, at the little 10 yard, you know, come breaking down on the 10 yard passes, sideline passes. And um, if you notice, 
you know, they caught it. I think uh, one or two got them in the, in, the, in the Notre Dame game. But then when you look at uh, Miami or you look at the Orange Bowl against Texas A&M, he broke those passes up. So that tells you right there that he's getting better. You know what I'm saying? He's he's coming out of his breaks a whole lot faster, a whole lot stronger. You know what I'm saying? He's focusing on attention to detail, shoulders over toes, not sitting up so high. Um, just staying square work. Drake got him. Dre, Dre and Bateman got you know more film time with with, with Bateman. He's 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 working on his craft. Yeah, and remember, on. like you know, there was no he had no summer with UNC, no, no spring. So yeah. you would expect the jump between freshman year and, and to sophomore year is going to be massive with a a full off season conditioning program, a full spring, a full summer conditioning program, and then training camp. So you expect the. Uh, the jump from what we saw in November, December to, uh, to August and, and September to be, to be massive. Um, Don, you got anything on, on, on Tony? Yeah. I, I would love to know, just, you mentioned his laser focus and I mean, everyone kind of tosses it around, but Tony really does have a laser focus. And yeah. I noticed this in high school. I mean, you're talking about a kid who just absolutely killed it in the classroom. Absolutely killed it. And just a quick little story. I was talking to a source who said, a lot of other UNC commits wanted to do what Tony did, but they just didn't kill it in the classroom like he did. I mean, because you had to – you just had to absolutely just, just you know, do your stuff 100%. And that's what Tony did. And then on top of that, you know, any free time, he was doing stuff to get better. I mean, how many – you know, he had a bunch of trainers. He hadn't just – didn't ha- just have one. He had had two or three. He did yoga. He, you know, and then any free time he had, he worked for his dad. He worked on a very <laughs> – and according to his employer, he was a really good employee. So where does that that focus come from? Because I have kids. I can't get, you know, I have my son who can't, doesn't do his score ever. So where where does this focus come from? Well, I mean, part of it is, is you know, um, as parents, me and my wife, we, we try to raise the boys to, um, you know, if you want something bad enough, you got to work for it. You know what I'm saying? You got to, you got to cultivate your gift. You got to work for it. And you got to make sacrifices for it. Tony Tony understood it. He understood the fact that, look, I want to be the number one corner in the country. I got to sacrifice for it. So that means I'm going to have to give up hanging out with my friends all the time or going to the movies when I should be studying film or working on my craft. And he knows that there is a reward. You know what I'm saying? It, It might be delayed during the process, but it won't be denied. So everything he's ever reached for He's always attained because he committed to the process. You know what I'm saying? He understands that. So, you know, when he gets got to UNC, maintaining his his grades, great grades, was not an issue. Mm-hmm. He said, okay, I know I have to put more work in athletically, but I can't increase the athletic work without increasing the academic aspect of it. So he knew how to maintain time management both ends of the coin. And, and he, he, his grades are great. He's not an academic risk. His skills, his skill is growing exponentially. It's just growing phenomenally. Um, I think next year we're going to see something that we never seen before. He's going to have a full all season. You know what I'm saying? I, as I said before, he's going to start anticipating a lot of stuff that's going on on the field. And it's, it's going to be scary. I think it's going to be scary. His skill level is going to change. So what do you think about the cornerbacks and the defensive back room in general next season? You would assume that Storm Duck comes back. You got Tony. You got Kyler as a redshirt junior. After I mean, I think Kyler had a great season too. Yes, he did. Um, 
And then, of course, you have the nickelbacks with, with Jaquarius Conley, you know, Trey Morris can bounce around. So, so what do you think about the cornerbacks room? I mean, there's only two spots, maybe three spots. How does that kind of shake out? I, I think you find a way to get them all on the field because you got Storm, Kyler, Tony, Trey Morris, and Conley. Then you got what, uh, Chapman. Sam Kelly and Chapman, Don yep. Chapman. You got to find a way to get them guys on the field. And, and, and keep them all on the field. You know what I'm saying? You have to find a way to do it. Um, or, or, or it's, you know, it, it relates to a, a business aspect. You know, I guess the best person will play. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Or you work up certain packages for those guys. But, you, you know, some programs do it. Keep, you know, the, the best three defensive backs on the field at the same time. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I think Georgia plays up to seven DBs. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Depending on, on what's going on. But you have to find a way to keep all those guys on the field because yeah. they ain't going to do nothing but make the back end better. I wonder if they move somebody to, to maybe play a lot of some safety or something. I don't know how that works. But, you know, in the offenses now, you have four wide receiver and even, you know, three wide receivers, one tight end set. So there's always a need for guys who can defend passes. Um, and I don't think you can take Conley off the field, too. I mean, to see Grimes and Conley out there, I mean, that's a dynamic duo, especially in terms of tackling. It's just like so refreshing to see some guys make some open field tackles. I think Conley brought that in, in 2020. Um, speaking of 2020 and UNC, I mean, the trajectory of UNC football is is straight up. I mean, even after this Orange Bowl win, it seems – or sorry, Orange Bowl loss, there was so you much hype. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was so much hype for UNC coming off a loss. I, it's, it's hard to believe, but you just look at the roster. You look at Sam Howe coming back, a full offensive linebacker. You know, you lose some on, on – you lose some running backs, some talented running backs. You got a lot of wide receivers coming back. You do lose Daz and Diami. But on defense, I mean, you really only lose Chaz is the only starter they lose because Tamon Fox is coming back. I mean, what do you think about UNC next season, especially on defense? I think the defense can be very special next year, but even maybe more special in 22. Yeah, I think that um, 21 out of 22 guys, that's going to be that actually the guys considering the guys that played in the Orange Bowl, I yeah. think we got 21 guys, man, that's coming back. I think the defense is going to be phenomenal. Um, and, and then with the guys that we already have, but you add depth with guys like Rara coming in, Keyshawn Silver. Man, he's got – look, I don't think there's a better defense. To be, I'm, I'm being honest with you. Yeah. With the speed and, and, and with what's, what we have now and with the speed that we have, it's going to be crazy. It's, it's, I mean, you, 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 it's, it's, it's going to be hard – it's going to be – and plus with the spring ball, you're adding the spring ball. Now we have time to spend with these guys. You know what I'm saying? And I, mm-hmm. when I say we, I want, I want you guys to understand, you know, because some people say, oh, he's funneling players into UNC and he's not supposed to do that, da-da-da-da. Listen, I have to support my son. My son plays for this program. You understand what I'm saying? They, they are the parent to my son right now while I'm not away. So I have to support that. So when I say we, I'm talking about my son in UNC. Yeah, you separate. You're able to. You're able to separate yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, as a parent and coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because you, because you will do. And and this is even before all this. There was a point where you were a high school coach of Princess Anne, and then you also helped the players in the area, regardless of what high school that they would play at. You know, and you and you didn't care. And, And a lot of it. 
it, I think all of it was basically you donating your time. You weren't making money off of these sort of no. situations. You just wanted to help the community. So exactly. So you're exactly. capable of wearing different hats and, and being whatever you need to be with, depending on what hat was on. That's right. And, and every player can't come to UNC. You know yeah. what I'm saying? They don't fit the profile. So those guys got to go somewhere. They got to mm -hmm. go to Virginia, Virginia Tech or Maryland or, or, or wherever they else they can go. I, we just sent some players down to uh, ULM. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's not a we funnel uh, I funnel players into one place. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, but when people ask me about UNC and they ask me about the recruiting process, I'm going to tell the truth. Yeah. Yeah, love it. Well, you obviously, what it is. you obviously believe it because you sent your son there. You wouldn't have sent your son to a place that you weren't comfortable with or you didn't believe in. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No better place. No yeah. better place. Yeah. Yeah. And, and quickly back on the 2021 season, my one, I, I think the defensive line could use one more year after 21 to develop because then you get Keyshawn as a sophomore. You get Rob Rouse a sophomore. You get um, Des Evans, Javari, Des Evans. Evans. You get some of these guys who are freshmen and redshirt freshmen, freshmen, sophomores. They're going to be more upperclassmen. That's why I think 22 might be the year because you'll still have Tony, still have Conley. Uh, you do lose some guys like Morrison and, and, and Gimmel, but I think defense is you're going to see the defense getting equal with the offense next season. And then uh, we'll see what happens in 22 because obviously Sam Howell might be gone in that season. Drake All right, Don. Right in. What'd you say? Yeah. Drake May steps right in. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's the, that's the hope. Don, do you want to talk about Zach Rice at all or anything? Um, I mean, coach, you want to just, cause you, you know, Zach, you know, his mom, you talk to them. Um, just what North Carolina's situation is with him, your, their chances. I mean, obviously he's a five-star guy, Ohio state's involved, Notre Dame, Virginia's still there. There's some, there's, I mean, and other schools are going to be involved. Also, what, what's, what's North Carolina's prospects with him? And, and for those who don't know, Zach Rice is a 2022 offensive tackle from Virginia, 6'6", 285, five-star elite kind of tackle, right, Don? Yes, yes. Okay, go ahead, Coach Lovin. Absolute stud. Um, Zach, awesome person, mother, awesome person. This entire family is incredible. Um, I think that uh, him having the chance to, um, to Zoom and talk with the staff at UNC – is, is is incredible. I think they have made some great headway with them. I think UNC, me personally, what I think, I think UNC is in great position with Zach Rice. They they actually have a chance to actually get this kid. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't I, I I don't know where it stands with the offensive uh, line coach. You know what I'm saying? I know that he does talk to him, but I think that that's going to be the deciding factor. How strong of a push that they did, but I do know that he's in UNC is in great position with him. Um, he's, 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 he'll be a phenomenal kid. The kid is electric. He, I think he's a day one guy. I think he gets out there and he competes day one for a starting position. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's similar to my son. He's similar to Tony. He's laser sharp focus. You know what I'm saying? And I think that he's one of those guys that can come in and help the program immediately, immediately. If he doesn't start, backup you know what i'm saying that you know that that, that bench is important you know for sure um and i like i've always said i think UNC needs a, their one thing they're lacking is kind of getting those elite offensive linemen um that's one one recruiting kind of blemish i think they have in the last couple of years all right coach we really appreciate the time that was awesome um and of course we'd love to have you on maybe sometime down the line before the 2021 season kicks off and uh we really appreciate it 
you already know what it is, Ross. Anytime, man. Anytime, Don. Anytime. Yeah, we're we're gonna love. We're gonna scoot up for uh, a a road trip, mostly to eat at your house. Once we're at lobster mac and cheese, might have to make a road trip up there. I got you. The spring. I miss the hospitality. I I got you. I mean, we'll bring a film crew and we'll do a documentary on eating at Coach Glover's. Hey, let's get it. (laughs) That'd be fun. All right, Don, you good? Yeah, yeah, Coach. Thank you so much for being on there. I will definitely be in touch with you. Okay, I appreciate it. Thanks, Don Corleone. Wow. <laughs> All right, see you, Coach. See you, Coach. Uh, All right, we're back on the scoop after a good 30-minute interview with Coach Glover. Um, as always, awesome. I mean, not much really to add. Um, he loves Carolina, loves his son, and uh, his, son's a, his son's a baller, and he's, he's always entertaining. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, love having him on, love interacting with him. Uh, you know, his uh, – there, he's he's part of a group that's putting on some camps coming up right before the Virginia season starts up. So I'm going to be up there some, seeing some recruits, particularly the the commits UNC has. So yeah, so yeah, I mean, a lot of information that he gave. So um, I, I thought it was good. There you go, always electric, Don. <laughs> okay, so let's get into this top five, right? Or do you want to? Yeah, yeah let's, let's, let, let's do your weekly scoop. Sorry, go ahead. All right, yeah, so. I mean, I'll just, I guess I'll just take the reins here, you know, take okay. the host role. You know there what I mean? I mean, go. I'm a jack of all trades. All right. Quarterback position, obviously. Uh, all right. So let's just run down. Let's get background. 12 of UNC signees are going to be arriving on campus, reporting to campus, enrolling this weekend. They'll begin taking classes the following Tuesday, and then they'll be able to participate in spring practice, which I believe starts March 24th or something along that 23rd, March 23rd. Okay. Uh, and the most unique thing I mentioned this earlier, or the unique thing is that I, and I don't remember this ever happening is every position with the exception of tight end will receive a new addition from this uh, early enrollment group. So uh, the weekly soup kind of breaks down, you know, position by position, just the opportunities that each position offers. But I want to get Ross's thoughts. The QB position, the guy coming in, Drake May. Uh, obviously, right. has, you know, has as much skill as anyone, um, has the pedigree, talent, all that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, the, the experience played in Charlotte against some of the, the, the top secondaries you're going to see at the high school level. What sort of opportunity is he walking into at North Carolina? Yeah, I think he comes in as and will compete this spring with Jacoby Criswell for the backup job. Criswell hasn't shown anything in his short time. He hasn't been really given a chance to flex what he can do. And we don't see practice. We don't see what goes behind closed doors at UNC. But I think, you know, uh, iron sharpens iron. You bring in Drake to compete immediately with Criswell for the backup job. And then when Sam leaves after the, we would think, the 2021 season, so he's one more year at UNC, it's a competition that offseason between Criswell and May for the starting job. Um, they are bringing another another guy in in 22, we think. Yeah, yeah, but okay. we're only talking so about – I, I mean, I, I could see Criswell – I could see Criswell, if he does not win that job, transferring. And I think many want Drake to go ahead and win the job. Um, this is not sourced or anything. I just think the natural progression of, you know, Sam Howe for three years, Drake May for three four years makes sense. But um, – we all know how good Drake is, and I think he brings a lot to the table athletically and, and, and maybe a little bit more. Who's more polished as a passer, Criswell or May? Oh, that's tough. Um, you loved Criswell as a passer. 
I do. Lo- I really do. I love his deep ball. I, I mean, really, I was so blown away by I loved his film. I really loved his film. But just seeing him throw in person and seeing how polished he was, I, was, I, I really I really liked it. Um, I think the difference between the two is that, you know, May has the experience of you know, high school experience. I'm talking about I mean, Obviously, Chris played college last year or this past season. Um, May has the experience of having to face sophisticated high school, sophisticated uh, secondaries. Okay. And, and he's done that not only not only playing in the Charlotte area where you're, you're playing against D, you know, DBs that like Huff had where, you know, they're going on to FBS schools and, and that sort of thing. But also on the 707 level, he played for the Carolina Stars and, and they traveled um, all over the country playing against teams, Texas, Florida, all of them. So, I mean, he's faced the best of the best. And Criswell um, has the advantage of, of a full year in the system, too. So he yes. men- mentally... Preparation-wise, yeah. tape-wise, he has the advantage over Drake May, but Drake will have a year to close that gap. All right, next yeah. position. All right, running back, we have Caleb Hood, who has just turned into an absolute tank. He told me he weighs 235 pounds. He, that's Jeez. what he reported at on Saturday. He might need to uh, lose some weight, right? Perhaps, but he still clocked an electric time 4.540 at the VTO camp. I think it was like a month or so ago. So that, he hasn't lost weight. the speed. Yeah, yeah, he's not. So he's not shifty. This is a power guy, but he still has that speed. So he has the finishing speed. I mean, he almost kind of just because, you know, the, the players um, on my mind from last night, although he didn't play hardly at all, with, but a Trey um, Sermon for Ohio State, just the power. But he has that finishing speed, which I don't think um, uh, Sermon has. Um, but uh, I think Hood has that finishing speed. Um, what, what sort of opportunity does yeah. he walk into? Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that he's rolling early is massive because um, there is an opening at running back with Carter, obviously Carter leaving, uh, Javante Williams leaving. No real leader, you know, coming in because I, I don't think British Brooks, Brooks is elite. Uh, Josh Henderson didn't show much in, the, in his, the time he has played at UNC. This is his second year, and he played a little bit in the Orange Bowl. Nothing too impressive there. And then you have Elijah Green, who did not play much in the Orange Bowl, and DJ Jones, who was injured. I think Caleb Hood can come in. I Honestly, I think if he's – I mean, he's, he's a smart guy. He's sharp. I think he'll pick it up. If he can block and, and, and help out in pass protection, I think there's a chance that he could get a good majority of the snaps entering the 21 season. Now, dude, I don't, I don't know what goes behind the closed doors. I mean, maybe DJ Jones and Elijah Green are, are unbelievable, um, but we didn't see any of that because it was a two-headed monster this year. But I think Hood, based on what I've heard from what you've told me about his athleticism, his explosiveness, his 40 time, his, his obviously physically he's ready, maybe even more physically ready than the other guys are right now yeah. in terms of weight and strength. Uh, I think Hood has a good, a good chance of anybody to be in that kind of starting rotation uh, when we talk about the beginning of the 2021 season. Just to add on to that real quickly, you're talking about a kid who from basically being able to walk – his father, who played at North Carolina, yeah. has been training him and has, the, I guess, basically almost the, the past year, the entire past year, he's been training him as a running back. And you kind of well, I saw that in him in um, in the camp that I saw recently. So I feel like whatever he needs to do to play that position on the college level, he's going to be prepared to do because of his father. Uh, But moving on to the, you have something coming in in spring is huge for him. I mean, yes, if he doesn't come in in the spring, we're not talking about him being as much of an impact player this season. Okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. Wide receiver. 
Okay. Three guys coming in. We have Gavin Blackwell, which you had uh, as a as a guest on our podcast. Kid plays with a lot of energy, probably more of a slot guy, although he he could play the outside. He has a speed, great hands, great route runner. JJ Jones, more of an outside guy, big, very similar to Bo Corrales, to where you look at him, you think possession receiver. But if you if you're a DB and you make that mistake, he'll make you pay, and he he will definitely take it to the house uh, because he, he is he has a speed he has the ability to break a tackle he plays with a lot of determination and then Kobe Pesor who um, another guy who could play inside or outside um, great body control uh, even though he's not the biggest receiver a big jump ball guy um, and, and has a, a great pair of hands uh, what, what sort of opportunities do these three have coming in who's the most polished of these guys Gavin? Ooh, yeah, I guess I'd go with Gavin. You know, Gavin, um, another guy who played on the Stars. He was the go-to receiver for Drake May this past 7-on-7 uh, seven seven season. Um, also has experience catching passes from Sam Howe. He was Sam Howe's guy for, I guess, two seasons. Yeah. So, yeah, so he's – you know, so he, he has caught passes from um, legit, you know, ACC quarterbacks. The other two – yeah, the other two can't really say that. Yeah, so – what I don't know right now is where a guy like Gosnell, a guy like Tylee Craft, um, you know, even some other wide receivers, we just don't, we haven't seen them. So I don't know where they stack up in the depth chart even. I mean, all those guys, it sounds like Gavin might have be able to make the most impact, but you know, Gavin can be that slot guy too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but maybe he could I, step into kind of what um, Diami did, kind of uh, across the middle type guy, can go deep too. So, well, what, did, what does North Carolina need? What, where are well, some of the openings at? You would assume Bo Corrales, who's coming back for an extra season, is the um, possession kind of red zone big threat. And then uh, Josh Downs is going to be the slot guy, you know, or the, in the dynamic kind of filling in for Daz Newsom. So the opening is kind of who fills in for Diami, but – Toffrey Brown has kind of got himself in that role. And Emory um, Simmons. Emory Simmons kind of is there with Bo as well, kind of the bigger outside receiver. So, okay. I mean, it's going to be hard to break into this rotation. You, know, you saw this year, there wasn't – Longo didn't really play as many wide receivers as maybe we thought. It was really Diami, Daz, Bo. And when Bo got hurt, it was Toffrey Brown, Emory Simmons. Mm-hmm. Those are the only guys – to my knowledge that you look at the stats here that really got significant amount of reps, minutes and catches. So it's gonna be hard for any of those guys to break in. I think unless one guy's more elite than than we expect, because even Josh Downs didn't really play much um, Mm -hmm. or even see many targets until the orange bowl. Gotcha. All right. Next. What do you think? You think, you think Gavin? I I think because you have Josh and just because of what I, I think, Josh was more um, polished than Gavin is way more polished coming in. And you look at how much he didn't play, you know, until really the bowl game when um, they kind of needed him because they had, they had uh, Diami out and everything like that. Um, So, so yeah, I mean, I think really you're just looking at situations in reserve opportunities for these guys, just kind of getting your feet wet, maybe late in the game, or maybe if someone gets injured, that sort of thing. But yeah, from as far as the, the starting three, I think that's going to be set by by upperclassmen. Yeah, and look, I mean, you look at the catches from 2020. Dami and Daz had 55 and 54. 
after that, it was the wide receivers. It was the running backs who had the next yeah. most catches, 25 each by Javante and Michael. Then it was Bo who was hurt, um, Garrett Walston, Choffrey Brown, and Emory Simmons. And, and Josh only had seven catches. Mm-hmm. So, all right. All right, next position, offensive line. I only have one guy coming in, but he is a big one. He weighs as much as three guys now. Uh, Diego Pounce, who was the was the was the in-state guy that UNC basically kind of flipped. He was a silent commit to Penn State for about a month. He tells me that when he arrives on Saturday, he will weigh he will be six foot six and weigh three hundred and thirty-five pounds. That's up from the two two eighty two ninety range when he was a a junior. Uh, what sort of opportunity does he have coming into this season, in this spring? Well, linemen are always pretty hard to project, and they usually don't even see the field until maybe their red shirts freshman year. So, I mean, I don't think this guy is going to step in and be a player. Um, now, who knows if an injury happens at the guard spot? Um, he, he could, but, you know, the guards are pretty much set with – Azudu, who is spectacular, and McKeithen, who played nearly every snap in 2020. So, I mean, I think, and then behind them is the guy from Raleigh, who also played some center, um, who flipped from state, maybe not from Raleigh. Adorno. Adorno. Yeah. So, um, but then beyond that, I mean, Ed Montillas has has been a backup as well. Um, There's a walk on that's played a lot as well. But, they need to start building the depth. That starts with Diego Pounds. You know, William Barnes, if he's if he ever you know, shows up and becomes kind of a reliable backup. But they do need to build, they need to keep building depth and get ready for when all these guys leave. You know, McKeithen will be a senior. I think Jordan Tuckle will be a senior. Brian uh, Anderson will be a senior. So a lot of these guys, there's about to be after this season, there's going to be a kind of an overhaul in the offensive line. That's where Diego Pounds can come in and, and maybe a player in in 2022. Okay. Next That's position. a lot of weight gain. That's a lot of weight gain. I know. I was, I, I literally, you know. Did you gasp? I re, I re, well, I record my, I record my, my interview with him and I, I'm listening to it and this is a few days afterwards and I literally ask him like three, four different times. Or oh, so you said 335, like 335. <laughs> so yeah, so I was definitely kind of being like, whoa, man, that's that's a lot. But you I know? mean, you got to think about when he played, it was over a year ago last time he played, yeah. right? So you're yeah. talking about fall 2019. So that's mm-hmm. his last listed weight. So to gain 30, 40 pounds, that's a lot in a year, but God, yeah. that's so much food. I mean, you wish you could be an offensive lineman so you could eat like that. Dude, I eat like that. <laughs> <laughs> There's no wishing. All right, defensive line. So we have two guys, which we've talked about a bunch. We even talked about earlier with, with Coach Glover. We had Javari Ritzy and Keyshawn Silver. Both these guys, I think, are more four techniques, but they're super versatile, and I think Bateman's going to be able to – they're perfect for Bateman because they're going to be able to be moved around that, uh, that front – five basically with the three down linemen and, and the two um, outside linebackers. I think Bateman's going to be able to do a lot. Um, Silver might ultimately grow into like a, like a nose tackle in, in Bateman's system, but really these guys are just so versatile. They're going to be able to do a lot of different things. What's uh, what's kind of their opportunity? Yeah. I mean, you look at what miles Murphy did in 2020 Murphy started playing pretty early, getting 15, 20 snaps coming in and kind of as a backup to just let the guys rest and was pretty productive. And then, you know, as the season progressed, I mean, Murphy 
and even Clyde Pender and um, not Varner, but the other guy that came with Varner, KJ Hester, they kind of took over the backup role behind Ravo Hasek and Tamari Fox. And I think Tamari Fox at times plays out of position because um, I feel like he's more of a defensive end in terms of what he can do. So I think Ritzy and Silver um, will compete with guys like Murphy, Pender, and uh, uh, Kedrick Bingley-Jones for, for snaps. Am I missing anyone there? Not good. I'm, not, I'm of, not sure. Yeah, think, Ritzy. But, I, I mean, I it's think, just crazy. We're just listing four-star guys. No, it's great. I mean, that's what that's what they guys. need. Like, that's what yeah. UNC's need is, is talent up front on defense. They finally got that, and I think um, – I, think, I don't think they'll, they'll start, but God, I think by maybe game four or five, they may be playing 20, 25 snaps. Because Vohasic looked great against in the Orange Bowl. I think Fox is a really solid player. Those guys are going to play a lot and likely start. And then you'll see, like, Miles Murphy kind of be that third guy. Um, Clyde Pinder is a kind of a backup nose tackle. And then K, uh, Kedrick Ringley-Jones, Ritzy and Silver right there along with them. But – I think, like I told Glover, I think 2022 is when the defensive line is going to be elite. Okay. All right. Another position where we have two coming in, linebacker. Ra-Ra Dilworth, which, you know, everyone knows I'm a big fan of. Uh, <laughs> Coach Glover also mentioned him a bunch. Uh, just explosive dude. I think, you know, to, to, to label him as a linebacker doesn't do his skill set justice because I think he's going to be used to a lot of different things. He actually – mentions that in the weekly scoop. I'm not going to give that away here. So check out the weekly scoop to get that. And then power Eccles, who, as I've mentioned before, was the, the top player the past couple of seasons on a defense that was one of the best defenses the state of North Carolina has produced at the high school level, Vance high school, which won a championship powers uh, junior season and lost in the championship game. His, uh, his uh, sophomore season while con- while playing all their games in the Charlotte area against, you know, teams like Myers Park, which had Drake May and, and Huff High School and Butler and uh, Mallard Creek and so on and so forth. All right, so what type of opportunity do these linebackers have co- they're, that they're walking into? Did Vance High School change their name? They did, actually. Do you know the I name believe, Yeah, I believe they did, yeah. And, and because they have you know what it's changed to? I, oh, my Off the top of my head, I do not know. Okay. Which is weird because it's not that old of a school. Like it's it's maybe like twenty years old. Do you know why it changed names? I do not. Do you think it was something to do with racism? Yeah, that's the first thing you pop in your mind because there's a lot of schools that have done that recently because the, it was named their schools were named after some um, like a civil um, uh, war, you know, general or whatever. But I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know who. I think a Zebulon Vance. I don't know who that is. Zebulon Vance was a former senator, governor, and Confederate. Uh, that's Colonel. why. Yeah. Confederate. And after George Floyd's death in May, they pushed for Vance's name to be removed, and they named it after a civil rights attorney, Julius L. Chambers. Okay. Chambers High School. All right. Yes. Very good. Moving on. Don't want to get in too many social and civil rights discussions here. <laughs> okay. We'll get we'll get a nasty message on the Facebook on the on the message board. Okay, we just won't get into it. All right, um, storming that Capitol was pretty crazy, wasn't it, Don? <laughs> Were you there? <laughs> oh, I was looking for your face in the. Were you? Did you have a in the fur hat? Did you have a Viking cap on and face paint? I don't even want to get into it. Okay. <laughs> All right, 
I was not there for the record. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Strat's gone. Starters are going to be Jeremiah Gimmel and Eugene Sante. Behind them, Cedric Gray and um, you, uh, Kadri Jackson. So they got too deep already. Um, but look, dude, Ra Ra's special. And I think Power Eccles is special too. They will push to be backups, I imagine. Um, you know, but, you know, linebackers have a very uh, cerebral, cerebral role. You have to learn a lot, a lot of coverages, a lot of roles. They're important to that defense. So it will definitely be a learning curve for both to kind of learn the system. They come in early, which will help. But they will push Kadri, Jackson, and, um, and Cedric Gray for snaps. And, and heck, man, I mean, Gimmel is great, smart, awesome. Not the super most physical, athletic guy. Uh, I love Jeremiah. Great interview. But who knows? I mean, there's a lot of there'll be a lot of competition in that room now when you bring in two studs like Eccles and Dilworth. Gimbel's gone after this season, 2021. And you would imagine one of these guys, whether it be Gray, Dilworth, Eccles, Jackson, will take to take that starting role. But I think Bateman finds a way to get these guys on the field in some way on defense, on special packages, like you saw with Conley and Grimes some in 2020. And of course, I think Dilworth and Eccles could both be special teams guys next year. The, the most, the thing that popped out to me on what you just said was that Gimmel is, is a good interview because I didn't experience that when he was being recruited. He was actually one of the most, more difficult recruits <laughs> to get a hold of. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, he was fine when I got him on the phone, but I remember it would just, it would literally take like weeks to get him on the phone. <laughs> so I covered Gimmel's recruitment too. I remember, I remember exactly where I was when I did the interview too. I just pulled over the side of the road. Uh, you know, because when they call you, they call you and you may not get them again. So you have to kind of yeah. do it. You have to do the interview when you can get it. Uh, but yeah, he's great. He just speaks his mind. He's very smart. He okay. knows the game really well. And mm -hmm. so if you're like a football guy like myself, you can uh, really get down to X's nose and kind of. You consider he, yourself a football guy? Yeah, for sure. He'll kind of give you insight that maybe the coaches even won't. Uh, he's a little loose with what he will tell you, but you can ask him mm -hmm. stuff. He'll tell you. And he's he's very well spoken and, and, um, and pretty sharp, I think. He, I think he's the. He gives you the most, which makes him the best interview in my mind. Okay. Uh, okay. Could, how could uh, Bateman use Dilworth, you think, next year? You know, as a rookie, first year guy. Yeah. So, you know, a deep breath. I, I definitely, well, I, I'm thinking to myself, getting into Bateman's head is, is like a dangerous thing because this guy <laughs> just completely goes the opposite direction. But I guess my thoughts are you have specific packages where you, where you throw them out there and, you know, you have them rush the passer and then, and then maybe as a counter to that, you have them drop into coverage just to kind of throw the, the quarterback off. Because obviously when you throw a guy in there, you know, um, the, the tell is, Oh, he's going to rush the passer, but you can kind of, kind of, you know, you know, do some things with it when you kind of switch up that way. Yes. But I think you got to take, a, take advantage of his explosiveness. And uh, I could see something similar to Tony where he plays a little bit and he plays a little more and more and more as the season goes. I don't know if he'll become a starter by the end of the season, like Tony did just because there's just not that opportunity. Yeah. But I mean, I think he's a guy that, that Bateman at some point will be able to take advantage of. It was a perfect storm for Tony because storm got injured early mm -hmm. and then Renee was the whole season kind of coming back from an ACL mm -hmm. and never got really to full strength. And so Tony Grimes passed Renee um, on the depth chart. Uh, I'm most excited about seeing Conley next year and how Bateman uses Dilworth over the next couple of years. Cause I think we're going to truly see Bateman's defense the next two years. I don't think he was able to do what he really wants to do with his talent last two years. Hmm. And you're finally going to see, you know, full blitz packages, whatever he, 
whatever he has in that mind, you'll see that more the next two years because he has lockdown corners now. He has Grimes, Duck, and McMichael who you can trust. You can do one-on-one on the outside, which allows you to do more in terms of blitzes um, with linebackers and whatnot. All right, so that kind of brings us into our next, our last position. Yep. Defensive back, got two guys coming in, DeAndre Boykins, who's more of an athlete, probably the least polished, but as far as like physically prepared, he's going to be that. I mean, he's another guy who just, you know, it's such a cliche to say gym rat, but he's a guy who, who literally goes to the gym every single day, works out every single day. Uh, works with with a DB coach, works on different sort of movement, that sort of thing. So he's going to be physically prepared, but um, definitely needs to be molded a little bit more. And then you have Dontavious Nash, who was the the first commit of this class. I think he's more of a uh, a safety, but um, definitely can play anywhere in this in the secondary if you need him to. He has the ball skills, he has the coverage ability, he also has that uh, that nastiness that we talked about when we actually had him on the podcast. What sort of opportunities do these guys have? Yeah, so I think at safety, there is some room for a young stud to come in and, and steal some time. Young um, stud. Yeah, I mean, I love Nash. He was great. I mean, he was great in our interview, that mentality, the size he brings at 6'3", 175. He'd probably add at least 15 pounds um, in, in January, February, March, and into the summer. I mean, they'll pack weight on these guys, whatever they need. And they have six months now to do it, without hopefully without any sort of shutdown. Um, uh, we saw Nash. I mean, he has the frame, right, to kind of put on a lot more weight. I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So he's six three, one seventy five now. Get him up to six three, close to two hundred. I think he could push Cam Kelly for for reps at safety. Um, you know, I think Don Chapman, Trey Morrison are kind of established there. So you can see Nash becoming a backup uh, pretty early if he is who we think he is. Um, and Boykins, man, Boykins is a guy I forget about. I don't know why. Maybe because we well, haven't had him on the podcast. Well, he's so he's not active on social media. He doesn't. Now he he's always been good to me. I shoot him a text and he gets back to me and says, "Hey, give me a call at such and such time," which yeah. is perfect. I love that. Um, but uh, he doesn't do a whole lot of interviews. He, he's definitely not a put. He def- doesn't put himself out there, sort of thing. Yeah. When he committed, he sent me the edit to put out there. So he because he didn't have social media. So he's just not this out there guy sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And like he's, he's a talented guy. I mean, he's a top uh, top 150 ranked player in the nation mm-hmm. uh, or 175. So top top 200. Um, you know, he, he's going to be a, a nickel there competing with Conley. Uh, you know, who knows? Morrison could end up playing some more nickel. Um, who is the uh, Spotsville is at nickel as well. Moving over from, from wide receiver. I'm trying to think anybody else is at nickel. But I mean, yeah, everything we hear about Boykins and his size, 5'11", 210, that's about what you want there. So, yeah, these guys, we, we get hyped by these freshmen and we say they're going to play. But, I mean, in reality, like, they it's don't. hard to break in. Yeah. yeah. And of the guys we've talked about, I mean, maybe two will see substantial reps. It's probably going to be Hood and maybe one of the defensive linemen mm-hmm. and, and maybe one defensive back. But, I mean, even, even um, at linebacker, Bateman always says it's just so hard to take those guys out, the starters, because they, if if they're, you know, it was so hard to take Chaz and Jeremiah out because you know they know what to do, and that's such a critical role yeah. where you can't just have you can just throw out a freshman and, and kind of pray. Yeah, it, it, it's a little more difficult. Most of the so. impact's going to be on, especially at linebacker, is going to be on special teams. Yeah. You look at a guy like Cedric Gray, who played a ton of snaps. If you go and look 
on uh, PFF. He played a ton of snaps, but but I think like only five snaps were on defense. He played over like he played yeah. almost like 200 snaps or something crazy like that on special teams. I read your yeah. scoop about that. It was great. Okay, cool. So I think we're done there. Do you want to move on to the top five? Yeah, because this okay. is running really long. Yeah, I know. It's one of our longest podcasts ever. But um, Ross is loving it. Ross is loving this extra time with Don. You yeah, know? you know, work's been a little slow. You know, basketball game was canceled, all that stuff. The football's over. So, you know, it's no longer crossover season. So there's a little, little bit more flexibility in our schedules. All right. Um, Let's also do a, this then, getting Ross. A haircut, getting a haircut today, too. That's good. Would you, get gonna, the, you, you should do something crazy. I'm going to get the Don. <laughs> what is the – I love to know what the Don is. <laughs> okay. Uh, what did uh, Glover so call here, you? So here so, – wait, was that? What did Glover call you? Don Corleone. <laughs> or did he call me? Some, I mean, I know. Y'all should do a buddy cop. Y'all should do a buddy cop show. A buddy cop show. Coach okay. Glover and Don. <laughs> okay, let's go to the top five. Okay, so top five, um, top five, 2021 signees you're most excited about. We had it looks like four or five submissions, Don. Yes, we're gonna okay. run through those real quick. Let's run through all of them. I don't know if we need to read the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, let's. This but, is a long um, podcast as it is. Let's just yeah. Let's 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 read a little bit, but um, you know, you can kind of paraphrase some of it. I'll start. Dale from Waxall. I'm gonna go in reverse order. Five Diego Pounds. After watching Keithan and Tucker, two huge O linemen dominate one side of the line. Look forward to Pounds following in their footsteps. Uber athletic for his size, and look forward to him thriving after spending a season with uh, Brian Hess. Four May, highly ranked QB in UNC's backyard. Long as offense is only as good as the QB, and he's next in line. Three, Bryson Nesbitt provides a whole new dimension to Longo's offense. Able to fly by uh, linebackers and overpower safeties will be huge in the red zone. UNC needs a dynamic tight end, so it's exciting that, that maybe Nesbitt can provide that for the Tar Heels. Two, Dilworth. I think he'll be a popular choice. Elite playmaker in the Jabril Peppers mold. Cover all of the field. Combined with Conley, like I said, these guys will cover space from sideline to sideline. And number one, Silver. Keyshawn Silver, defensive tackle. In order for the D-line to take the next step, uh, they need to be more beast. Or even for the defense to take the next next step, they need more beast on the defensive line. You can pressure the QB and stop the run. All right. I'm going to go with Ryan from Chapel Hill. He's um, has gave, given us some interesting things with, with COVID these past, uh, past year, really. Interesting phrasing there, but yeah. Well, the, he, Ryan he has, has not given us COVID. No, <laughs> no, he has not. He's given us information, not not specific information, just you know, just the details of trying to fight this. So sketchy the way you phrase that. Ryan works in the medical field at UNC. Yeah, with COVID. <laughs> Although he doesn't have COVID, and neither do we, thanks to the plexiglass. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, number. Number five, J.J. Jones. Number four, Keyshawn Silver. Number three, Caleb Hood. Number two, Ra Ra Dilworth. Number one, Drake May. He's the future and will have a ton of weapons on the perimeter when he's ready to step in. Some same names, some new names. And J.J. Jones is a new name in there, as was Hood. All right. Uh, this one did not have a name on it. Oh, Noah from Korea. Sorry. Noah from Korea always uh, contributes. He's going chalk, he said. Start from the bottom. Five, Drake May. Four, Caleb Hood. I didn't start out too high on him, but keep hearing people on the pod talk about how dynamic he is. Really excited to see how Mack and Longo use him. Assume he's on offense and see how they use his unique skills. Three, Keyshawn Silver. I got really excited after him about him after listening to Wilt Fong drool over his potential. 
I love fast, powerful defensive linemen and mean offensive linemen. Paired with speed-based pass rushers, where Simling Silver would be in a position to succeed. I can't wait to watch him. Two, Rara Dilworth. Um, kind of same stuff there, flying all the field, making plays. And one, Power Eccles. Kevin Reddick and Quan Sturman feel like years ago. I love getting a guy who is a known commodity you can bank on, playing that position for years. He sounds just like the prototypical middle linebacker, QB of the defense type of guy who'll show up ready to pounce, ready to produce. He'll be a rock in the middle of the defense for a long time. That's a good answer. All right. I'm going to go with Phillip from Salisbury because he has no description, so this will be quick. And he also doesn't put it in order. So I'm assume that he bottom, has it in bottom order. Bottom to top. Bottom to top. Yes. So I'm going to go bottom to top. Caleb Hood, J.J. Jones, Power Eccles, Rhaenyria Dilworth, and Drake May. Close out with Brent from Arizona. Um, okay, five, Caleb Hood. After hearing Wilt Fong and Simmons talk about his potential, really excited to see him at running back. Four, Javari Ritzy. That size and only two years experience. Can't wait to see how he develops at UNC. Ra Ra, number three. And Bateman's system could be a real piece, a uh, great piece that fills in in the positionless system. Two, Keyshawn Silver. Any other year, he'd be number one. Freakish size and ability. And number number one is Drake May. Have to have elite QB, QB play to be competitive on this level. And um, here's the next great UNC QB. All right, you're five, Don. You go first. All right. So uh, my number five, Drake May. Uh, and that's mostly because we're not going to see him for at least a, a year or two. Uh, but I am excited once he gets there because I really want to kind of see if his uh, ability to dissect a defense translates to the, the ACC. Number four, Keyshawn Silver. And there's a lot of guys that kind of fall into this category where tons of tons of tools – um, toolsy, as they say, and I'm just eager to kind of see those tools in motion in, you know, on the, on the um, power five level. Keyshawn is definitely the most toolsy of them. You know, he has that, he has the size, he has the athleticism. Um, he has the determination, a lot of strength, great footwork on and on and on and on. Other guys that fit in this category, which aren't in my top five, Gabe Stevens is another guy. There was one other and I can't remember who it was off the top of my head. Number three, Power Eccles. I mean, he's a guy who, who really is just, just so just focused on the football field and just plays with this, you know, this determination and, and this tenacity. Uh, and really just, he's not a rah-rah guy at all. He doesn't speak very much. He's very, actually very soft-spoken, but um, just commands the defense, even despite his um, lack of, of, a, of a voice, quote-unquote. Um, so I'm eager to kind of see that on the college level. And the other Caleb Hood, you know, this past year, I, I've always thought really highly of him because he has great athleticism. He's a hard worker. He's a great kid. I always love talking to him. Um, but um, really this year, as, as far as a running back is concerned, I have just gro grown in admiration for just what he can do. And I really think he's going to be one of North Carolina's two running backs this fall. I really do. I think that he's just as prepared. If if you want my vote, I'm saying J.J. Jones and Caleb Hood and perhaps a transfer that uh, you'll hear about before uh, uh, before this podcast actually hits the airways. Um, last one, Rod Rod Dewarth. And, I mean, <laughs> there's some maybe some bias in this, but this is a kid who 
just to kind of give a quick story, everyone knows what I think about him as a player and everything, but this is a kid who actually reached out to me mm. a long, long time ago. And usually it's the complete opposite. I reach out to a kid and that sort of thing. And wanted me to make a 24 seven profile, wanted me to help him get out there. I don't do any of that sort of stuff. I do make the profile, I do what I can, but I'm not, I'm not a scout. I'm not one of those promoter types or anything like that. So I, you know, every time he got an offer, I'd add it to his profile and he would update me all, all these sort of things. And it was kind of neat for me to kind of follow his progression because he wasn't a big time kid for a very, very long time. And he really didn't blow up until after his, after his junior season. And, uh, you know, Virginia tech was his biggest offer during his uh, junior year. And I can remember, I, I watched his sophomore season. I liked it, but it wasn't like, it didn't blow me away. And then when he started to kind of pick up some offers, uh, after his junior season, things really started to blow up. I was like, whoa, like, I got to go recheck this kid. And I watched his junior film and I was just like, holy crap, you know, um, super explosive, makes a lot of tackles. So I'm just eager to kind of continue to watch this kid's progression. I know I'm not supposed to be part of the story because I'm a journalist, but it's, it was, it's just hard for me in this situation. He's always a great kid. Uh, anytime I needed something, um, some sort of help or whatever, he was always there. Um, and I obviously got to cover his uh, commitment was part of that. Ross, who's your five? That was beautiful. All right, well, give me your five again. Give me the whole list. Whole up. list. So one, this is one through five. Rob Rob okay. Dilworth, Caleb Hood, Power Eccles, Keyshawn Silver, and Drake May. Okay, cool. I got a little bit different answers. I'll throw them out there. Um, I'm going to go – you know, I'm going to switch with the order here. I just want to copy you. I'm going to go Nash five. Just after okay. talking to him, I like his mentality. I like big okay. hitting, dog-like defensive backs. I think that's what UNC is. It's been a while since they've had a really big hit in safety. So hopefully Nash can be that. His versatility is exciting as well. I'll go um, Silver at four. Big defensive lineman. Yeah, I love defensive linemen. That, that's the key to a defense, as many people have said. And you've got to stack elite talent there. And, and Silver kind of continues that off the last two seasons. Ritzy right there with them. Athletic, dynamic, defensive tackle. I like the versatility of both those players. Um, especially with Richie's athleticism. Um, it's, it's, it's a key defensive line. We'll go rah, rah, um, two for many reasons you said, I mean, just, I think everybody's excited to see what he can do just because of his explosiveness at the linebacker position and just interested in the intrigue and how he, how Bateman uses him. So that's, that's building the excitement for him. And then Caleb hood, I think we're going to see him, like you said, maybe the, the earliest of any of them. And if the reports are true, um, from what you've reported and his athleticism and all that good stuff, dynamic power runner. Uh, that's what UNC needs to kind of get into the, the next set of running backs. Um, he might be the man for a year or two here. Uh, so Caleb Hood. And uh, that's it. So Nash, Silver, Ritzy, Rara, and Hood. We good? We are good. Long podcast. Time to get off. <laughs> all right, guys. That's it. Appreciate you listening. Hopefully you enjoyed. We'll be back in two weeks with more Scoop. And uh, probably a lot to talk about, given the uh, breaking news that when you listen to this, hopefully you have that. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.